Welcome to Delightfully Dysfunctional, a podcast about navigating the emotions of the human condition and the challenges that come with it. I'm Kehlani Persian Mason, a psychotherapist and life coach with James Timmons and Ever Curious Human. This is not a replacement for mental health therapy. Please seek out mental health care if that's what you're needing. This is an opportunity for self-healers to dive deep and understand more about themselves. Welcome back to Delightfully Dysfunctional. I'm Kehlani and this is my co-host James. What up? We're here to bring you another episode. And as you can see, I have developed this sultry rasp <laughs> to my voice. I was going to bring attention to that. Like you guys might notice that Kehlani has a really cool sounding voice. Yeah. So we're going to... Covering from stress. We're going inter- to fuse in a lot of smooth jazz. I know. I feel like I could double as like a phone sex operator. <laughs> Hey, baby. <laughs> we won't save. We'll save that for another episode. But, <laughs> and then I'll start coughing yeah. and it won't be cute. <laughs> That'll be the subscription only version. Yeah, like, apologies <laughs> if I have to like take a pause and cough in the podcast. I'm going to try my best today. Let's go right in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> gross. Gross. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's catch up. It's been a couple weeks because last week I couldn't come in. I had zero voice. That's right. It was, I was so rough being like mute for several days. I was letting you know too, like with my little, with my daughter, because I just stayed home with her for a couple of those days. I couldn't even like say no to her if she was doing something naughty. So I'd have to be like, (laughs) and like click and like make fart sounds at her and like clap. It was uh, interesting. So she was probably thoroughly entertained. She was thoroughly She's entertained. Like, I but love you know, when I think she picked strap. up on it. She was like, she would stop or she'd start clicking back and get be distracted. You guys are going to infuse, like, you're going to evolve the English language. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to um, really bring in some Hosa elements, which is when I lived in South Africa, one of the, I think they have seven languages Uh-oh. in South Africa. But one of them is Kosa, if you aren't doing a click, and it's X-H-O-S-A. Oh. But it is said with a so Kosa. Oh, cool. And they have several cool. different clicks. So it's like a, and a, and a, I don't know. I can't do them all. They also all sounded the same, and I actually don't know how to do them anymore. That was 10 years ago. And I, That's interesting. Yeah. But um, I... Uh, that wasn't what I was doing. I was just making fart sounds. You know, <laughs> when I was growing up, my whole idea of Africa was that that's where starving people are. Because people... Because it's had the good commercials all the time well, when we were a kid. No, your so parents would guilt children. you. And they would be like, finish your food because there are starving children in Africa. I'm like, I'll give them this food if we had like a pneumatic tube system or something. <laughs> ship you know it what over. I mean? I know. I felt when I was there, I felt really bad if I didn't finish my food because I was like, I guess I should walk down the block and give it to them. (laughs) I lived in a developed area. Yeah, South Africa. South Africa was developed. It did become more unsafe. the the second time I went twice, I studied abroad twice to South Africa, and um, because I loved it. A the drinking age was eighteen. Oh, nice. And I, which I shouldn't brag about. I can't, could never hold my liquor anyways. And so I wasn't like a this big drinker. This is before White Claw. Yeah. This is yeah, pre-White Claw. Um, but it was, it was just so fun. The exchange rate was 10 to 1 too. So I'd go there and live like a queen. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're selling me on it right now. I don't know what it is now, but 10, 12, I'm aging myself. I don't know however many, oh shit, 15 years ago. Wow. <laughs> is that right? 
<laughs> yeah, something like that. You Ex told me your age. You don't have to tell me, but uh, that you would have been young. Yeah, Very young. when I was 19, okay. and then I came back for a year, and then my university hired me to go and bring a group of freshmen. Oh, fun. And I did my, I started an internship program that I think is still going on. So I did my internship and was able to see clients, which would never have been possible wow. with not even having finished my bachelor's degree in America. That never would have been a possibility. But in Africa, they're like, please come, here's yeah. an office. That's awesome. It, at the uh, counseling center at Nelson Mandela University. And it was really interesting because that is also where I saw a huge difference in the quality of life. Um, like I re recall in particular a client who was like, I don't have enough food for my HIV medication wow. attending school. And or I don't have enough money for food and my HIV medication and attending school. And I remember just pulling out my lunch and giving it to her. And, oh, wow. Like trying to get her linked up with services. But those are not, that's not the level of poverty that we see yeah. here in the United States and, and much more extreme than that as well. Because I did a lot of volunteering at an AIDS orphanage and in the townships. Yeah. But it's enlightening to see the level of community and joy that people can still have yeah. in, in circumstances that we would think is so dire. Yeah. And I'm not saying like they still need resources. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that that is a good quality of life for them. It was really inspiring for me because what the fuck am I complaining about? Yeah. If, if they can find joy in those little moments, then surely I can pull my head out of my ass and yeah. find some joy too. So yeah. it was a good lesson. Yeah, I I did um a little bit of I was involved with like this one ministry that um was involved in putting wells in Africa. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy like there's some areas that they ha they walk like a couple miles a day mm -hmm. just to get the water ration of yeah. the day. And so it's like really important to for for wells to be drilled everywhere, you know. Yeah. But just the like how remote and like scarce their resources are over there. It's yeah, it really does change your perspective. But um, and then also it kind of makes you think life lived very simply is less complicated. Yeah. You know, have you seen the movie? Oh gosh, I think it's Love Actually, where mm -hmm. there's like one small clip where um it shows like african like an african couple who's like m just so in love with each other and they have like a very simple life you know mm -hmm. and i've always thought i wonder if like just scaling away all the bullshit would make yeah. it less I complicated you know that this is a this, i've had a lot of thoughts around this because i think we live in such an instant gratification yeah sure we've you know created such ease in areas and everything is about efficiency mm -hmm. and when you have to slow down like that it infuses so much more purpose into the actions that you do yeah if you have to walk a mile to get water yeah if you have to um you know harvest your food if you need to yeah. fish for your fish <laughs> and and um there's a, a joy in that that I think that we miss out on yeah. when we have things so readily available in entertainment, so readily available 
so many agents to numb ourselves so readily available yeah. that we're not really in the present moment very much. Yeah. And I think that a, a simple life gives you that. I have a lot more gratitude for my upbringing as I reflect and as we do this podcast too, because even though I really complained about it, sorry, mom, <laughs> like I grew up on 50 acres of land with a river behind my home in a hundred year old farmhouse, mm. eating vegetables that my mom grew with bison roaming in our pastures when I woke up in the morning. Wow. And that like, that's the meat that we ate and we got farm fresh eggs from our neighbors and there there was simplicity we didn't have cable we had two channels that came in maybe if we weren't in a blizzard anyways mm. like if because there were so many blizzards like power outages were common so there were a lot of things that um i don't know you you were grateful for the little things i mean gosh i can't believe we didn't have a garage either i'm gonna just go on this rant for a moment <laughs> because like Having to warm up your car when it's 30 below winters and like I remember there was one time at least a centimeter maybe more than that of like sleet ice all over my car and I let it run for like at least 30 minutes and it still was not melting and I had to go out there with like a with a scraper and just like ah! <laughs> like chip away like but like I was going at it with so much force it was like I was murdering someone. <laughs> But when when you have to work hard to just do kind of normal things, you yeah. have a lot of gratitude too. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And but being raised in it, you probably were just like, you know, you probably desired something else. I mean, right? being raised in it, I'm allergic to everything, so I was like, <laughs> I was a kid stuck in a book who right. liked choir and was allergic to everything, so being in it and being on a farm i just felt like i wanted to be indoors because otherwise yeah. i'd go through i was always sick but i didn't have the same gratitude uh, by far at all as i do now and yeah. um and, and that's been a really fun like talking more about my childhood and reflecting more on the time that i lived in minnesota which i'm realizing in the grand scheme of things wasn't that long, but mm. it felt like a long time when yeah. you were a kid. I have like so many people from my past coming out of the woodwork. Like last night, my first boyfriend sent me a, a message on Facebook and oh, I didn't realize he lives in Chilean. Oh no. Oh, well, he, <laughs> I, I say, I don't even know. I didn't even count him as my first boyfriend actually, oh. because I think it was like a week or two and maybe one kiss. I don't think that counts. You know what I mean? Zach, how do you feel about one of her exes sliding into her DMs? <laughs> oh, I was I was so angry. Oh my god. It was so funny. Zach's no, like, I this is I... the first time hearing about this. Where's he? He lives in Chelan? Where in Chelan? Specifically. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, specifically. That's fine. No, I hope we can go and visit his family, to be honest, because there's something about the camaraderie and like the kind of club of being in a small town that Wait, feels for, he really was from cool. Minnesota? He was from my tiny 1500 population town in Wait, northern Minnesota. Hold on, let me see if I can remember the rated name. Rated the worst place to live. Wait, what was it called? It's not coming to you, is it? No. Red Lake Falls. It's okay. Yeah, I, I would have never gotten that. No. <laughs> I was going to yeah, I, my friend Josh is from Hodag Wisconsin, or that's what I was going to say. No, that's not it. That's <laughs> not it. I know a lot of people from the Midwest. 
you guys all come over here. I know, apparently, yeah. But any, it's been really fun to to kind of hear people who um, have found the podcast in yeah. my past, and it feels like a warm hug when they check in. That's nice. I've had no one reach out to me. Whatever. <laughs> I've had people from my past go, oh, so you think you're special, huh? It's like, well, I listened to your stupid podcast. No one has said that to you. I'm just kidding. You. I'm kidding. Oh, but also, you've lived in one place for a long time or for most of your life, and I yeah. hopped around quite a bit. That's true. Well, I mean, I grew. I was. I lived. I was a military kid, and then my dad became reserves later. So then I moved around a lot when I was really young, but didn't really make any friends. You know? Yeah, when you're a little, little. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, no, but yeah, people locally have have a lot raved about the podcast. You know. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was actually asking you for advice That's prior right. to the podcast and I, I thought, wait, let's, let's save some of it for when we're recording. Yeah. Cause you have, um, found ease in an area that I have struggled in. Mm, I wouldn't say ease, but I'd say consistency. Consistency. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, and that's like physical fitness. I mm. just, I, again, I just described myself. I was the asthmatic allergy kid, like who did not like running the mile. So physical fitness hasn't been something like that has come easily, I guess. That sounds dumb. I want to rephrase that, I guess. It just, I've had resistance towards it. Yeah. And I want there to be less resistance mm -hmm. because I'm getting old and I don't want to ache anymore. <laughs> I yeah. want to feel like I can have longevity and my joints don't hurt and all that good stuff, but also for mental health. So the motivation is also different than maybe it was in my 20s, for sure. It's not about looking a certain way. Uh -huh. It's about feeling strong. Yeah. And how do I do that? <laughs> well, I start every morning with a shot of HGH. I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> and then that gets me going. Testosterone yeah. shot. Okay. And then a little bit of Coke. Oh, my God. And then I'm ready. See, do, not, do not try this at home. No, no, no. Yeah, find a dealer. They'll help you. No. I'm just kidding. No. Um, so, yeah. For like, well, like, I've taken many, many years to really f dial it in to where I'm consistent. And now it's to the point where, like, it's just part of my life. Uh, so... Because if I don't work out in the morning, it'll mess up my, I'll be like a scattered brain all day long, you know? Yeah, I'll be way more depressed. So um, it's like non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I would say, and I was, oh yeah, I was telling this offline a little bit, but like as a woman, you really only, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say, I'll say it and then I'll try to expound. But in my opinion, women should really only focus on like legs and shoulders which are like two very primary uh muscle groups yeah muscle groups and like because you're like for example your biceps and triceps are secondary muscles you know it just so if you work your shoulders you're gonna or your chest you're gonna be working mm. those secondarily okay. and if you work your legs then you're gonna naturally work your butt okay. and your calves and everything okay. so um anyway that makes sense yeah but there is um have you heard of you've heard of orange theory yes well you know what the orange theory is no is like they say if you get your heart rate into the orange zone for 12 minutes mm. a day 
then you'll just naturally burn calories for the rest of the day. So the goal is every single day, get your heart rate. And that is true. I, and so I don't do orange theory, but I, uh, I do CrossFit. Um, (laughs) but you get, my heart rate gets way up there for, you know, 12 to 20 minutes sometimes every single day. And it kills me, not literally, obviously, but it, um, but it, you know, the recovery, I feel way better for the rest of the day. So, yeah. And then like, if it's looking better is a happy side effect of, yeah. of that. So anyway, those are some tips, but, um, yeah, if- I think it's like, I need to, I definitely need to make time for it. Cause I think in my mind, it's like, when would I have the time and, <laughs> Yeah, I I'm gonna have to like yeah give give carve out some time for sure because I can I I can spend time reading books about mental health and yeah. meditating and um, researching things about mental health but it's this other aspect of physical health that I need to improve upon and I'll be honest about that yeah yeah I mean and uh, it's like like I had said offline um. The th- three things that I'm learning are have just become overly complicated by like society are fitness, nutrition, and mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, because there's a lot of people who like want to sell you a book or yeah. some subscription or something or some supplement, so they'll like confuse you to get you to buy their product. But really, um, and I won't share too much on it because I don't want to bore you guys, but. Um, yeah, it's really just finding, honestly, 30 minutes a day, even if that... That's probably, that's what I could commit to, is yeah. 30 minutes. Well, yeah. to get your heart rate up, but also, like, to to infuse some kind of, like, heavy weights into it, or heavier, heavy for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. Because we have all this workout stuff. Yeah. We have this stuff. So, okay. I feel like so just now I've, I've put it out into the ether. I've spoken it out loud. Maybe it'll help me be more accountable. Just find just yeah. Google like shoulder and leg workouts on. Yeah, just Google that and then do a shoulder workout today, legs tomorrow and cycle back and forth. Okay, that simplifies it yeah. actually a lot for me. So yeah. I'm going to give that a try. Okay. I am so happy that um, Zach and I have really started getting into bike rides with yeah. our kids. Okay. And that's been super fun. Yeah. Or even, like, I don't enjoy where we currently live here in the Tri-Cities. The hiking is very dry and, like, sagebrush. Horrible, yeah. We're going to run into a rattlesnake, probably. And both Zach and I are allergic to everything in the Tri-Cities. <laughs> we're, we're super cool, allergic kids. And um, we've started to go on road trips for an hour or two outside of town yeah. to find better hikes. And uh-huh. that's been super fun. So I like, I like things like that. And I like gardening which requires you to like squat and do things like that but i think part of i maybe overemphasized like not liking physical activity i like physical activity with a purpose and yeah. so that's but you can't do that every single day yeah. and i need workouts from home that supple- supplement that so yeah. that's helpful thank yeah, you for sure but anyway uh we haven't really said anything funny i know we've this been opener late. Sorry, guys. Let's spice it up. Gosh, do I have any jokes? We don't have any jokes. But yeah, I saw you guys went hiking 
for Mother's Day, yeah. right? It, it, what is it? Umatilla? Really yeah. Okay. Umatilla National Forest nice. in Oregon, which actually I didn't. Um, so that's over in the Blue Mountains. Nice. And the Blue Mountains hosts our largest organism on Earth. Did you know that? What? It is a mushroom. And it, the mycelium from the mushrooms, which is uh, kind of the interconnected network Ugh. that spreads under the ground. Why do you say, oh, it's so cool. It just, I'm just imagining the fungus roots and the. it reminds me of the Upside Down from Stranger Things. <laughs> you know? I mean, mycelium does kind of look like the Upside Down. That's true. Like the fuzzy kind of yeah. stuff. But I think it's so cool. The mushrooms are actually kind of a combination of what we have more genetic uh compatibility with mushrooms than we do with plants oh my gosh this would have and been a perfect segue into our guest that we were supposed I to have know. today <laughs> today we were supposed to have uh dr sabrina hadid but we did have to reschedule her and we were going to talk about psychedelic medicine which is something that i've been getting really into i'm actually going to be making big shifts in my practice when you say you've been getting into is that yeah. you've been in, like taking them I have microdose psilocybin, and I had okay. a ketamine experience that was guided with Dr. Sabrina Hadid, oh. and um, I'm certified to provide ketamine-assisted therapy. I'm going to the Psychedelic Science Conference in June, and last night, actually, this is exciting, last night, I submitted my application for um, a full psychedelic one-week training in October that wow. I am really I'm just so excited about. So is the Grateful Dead gonna play there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's forced to wear tie dye. Yeah. <laughs> Psychedelic conference. That sounds like a party. It's yeah. I'm a little bit nervous because it's just gonna be a lot of people. You a know, lot of people. Well, you know that there will be microdosing and there will be psychedelic drugs there, right? Yeah. There have to be. There, I'm sure. I'm sure. And There's so, people who are hosting retreats. Is this conference called Woodstock? <laughs> <laughs> it's in Colorado too, which I've only been on in, in a layover, so I'm excited wow. about I mean, that. You're too. gonna be on a trip. <laughs> Bada boom. But I guess I want to, I, since we're on the topic of psychedelics, I want to normalize some things a little bit because okay. there's obviously, there's a stigma and a fear about it. And I had, the, I felt the same way. It was actually Zach who started mentioning uh, things that he'd been learning about when it came to psychedelics and their benefits mm -hmm. like several years ago. And my thoughts were like, that sounds wackadoodle crazy. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And it is through the science and the research that's being done where I'm like, I can't ignore this anymore. When the leaders in healing trauma, my gurus that I lean on to learn from are um, they're they're promoting or they're, you know, they're backing up what we're seeing in the research that's being done at Harvard and the research that's being done with uh, FDA studies yeah. and studies at John Hopkins. So. It's something that's really exciting. And when I think about the cultural context too, like this is medicine that cultures across the world have used mm. for enlightenment, for emotional healing, for spiritual connection. And that's a beautiful thing, but we misused it in a party drug and didn't use kind of these sacred measures to make it a healing medicine yeah and i'm interested in the healing medicine qualities yeah i mean i'll just openly admit i'm, pr I'm probably like 
the majority of people were I'm very skeptical of it, you know, and it I know I, I, I did. I'm, I'm a dare you. kid. Yeah. <laughs> but um I watched this mini documentary the other day in preparing for our first guest. Um and uh yeah, there was a lot of like um statistics of of healing like rooted deep rooted trauma with like prisoners or something with um small doses of LSD where um yeah i was like okay that's interesting i mean obviously there's a there's like a mountain of baggage that comes with it you know all the things we've been told i know that the government used it to like try to create a truth serum during the cold the government did some really sketchy shit they during the cold war shit with uh yeah with with psychedelics our government's awful i'm just gonna say that sorry go ahead uh well, i i think here's some things that i think are helpful to know um prescriptions like Adderall, for example, yeah. are such a close chemical compound to methamphetamine. Yeah. But when taken in a low, low dose, we find productive benefit mm -hmm. that can be really helpful for people who struggle. Yeah. When um, there's so many examples where a medicine that is taken appropriately and dosed appropriately mm -hmm. yields healing and appropriate results. Yeah. So, that is what I would like to emphasize in talking about psychedelic medicine. Yeah. And there is a way to do that. So certainly when someone is using it inappropriately, it's going to yield inappropriate results. Mm -hmm. It's how you use the tool. It is not the tool itself that is um, bad. Yeah. And there are so many medications that um, are being currently prescribed for mental health conditions that aren't effective. So I'm not... As, as a clinician, as a healer, as just a human, I'm not interested in the bullshit. I want to know what's effective. I've yeah. talked about that word, effective. Mm -hmm. That means I'm reaching my goal. If SSRIs are only 33% effective, then we need to find something better. What is SSRI? SSRIs or Zoloft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're only 33%. Most, anti most antidepressants. That a recent study found that because they're dealing with the serotonin uptake in your neurotransmitters in your brain. But as we discussed in our body in the brain episode, mm. most serotonin is produced in your gut. Mm. So that's one aspect of it. But in these studies, we can see this neuroplasticity of our neurons are making new neural pathways and connections when psychedelics are used in conjunction with therapy and used appropriately, which yeah. looks different than when it is used recreationally. <laughs> And uh, I am so excited about being a part of that community and speaking more openly about it. In fact, this might be the, the first time I've spoken more openly on the podcast about some of the, the research and my feelings and my personal experience with psychedelics. But mm. last fall, I was microdosing psilocybin when I had the courage to reach out to you to do the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm that intimidating? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had the courage to like believe in myself and in this idea that i had and not yeah. talk myself out of it that's you know that's and awesome. that has thank continued. you psilocybin thank you <laughs> and it has continued in other aspects of my life where and of the barriers that were put in front of me for why i wasn't doing this or that seem pretty insignificant now and it's like well this is the life that i have this is yeah. my limited time i don't know how much time i have here and there's so much experience that I want to pack in to that yeah. time. So 
I want to be responsible with my time and I will take action then. And that's a very different perspective than one that is being clouded by insecurity. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, I'm going to have an open mind about it. Um, maybe if I, my mind is too closed, we can do something to alter my consciousness. <laughs> that was a good one. I was sitting on that joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, a thing I think is also worth mentioning is that, uh, you know, science really functions off of its ability to get data, right? All mm. like observational data, all kinds of data. And I heard uh, a professor recently bring this up where he said, this is one of the few areas of science where we have literally thousands and thousands of years of data because yeah. we have shamans who have been using these practices since literally the beginning of recorded history and before. And so we can, we have this massive uh, set of data that somewhere in the 1970s with the kind of demonization of these uh, elements, that data just got put to the side and science by and large decided we don't need to pay attention to this set. And so we've missed a lot of that, but it's there. And so now they're kind of rediscovering it. And I think that's a, a, a worthwhile piece of information to add into your, your mental arsenal there. Yeah. What are we uh what what are we talking about today? Yeah, I want to go over the book The Four Agreements. This is a self-help book that was written by Don Miguel Ruiz and it offers a lot of really practical guidance for personal freedom and transformation and how we can live a happier life and a more fulfilled life. Okay. It uses ancient Toltec wisdom. Don't ask me what that is. I don't know. Some ancient Tolkien wisdom? To like Toltec. Toltec from wisdom. Lord of the Rings? Maybe. Maybe that's what he means. <laughs> I don't know. But whatever wisdom it's coming from, it's wisdom I'm signing up for, and I like it. Uh, and this, these are things, too, that I feel like sometimes you can know something and believe it but the practice of it is more difficult. Mm. Like I know that working out is only going to improve my life and my longevity, yeah. but the practice of it feels more difficult to follow through on. And this is where, again, I felt like um, psychedelic medicine was able to help me really live my truth when mm. it comes to this. But the four agreements are, and we'll break them down. Okay. Well, we'll, well, actually, we'll just go in order. The first one is be impeccable with your word. It emphasizes the importance of using your word wisely and with integrity. Mm. Words have the power to create or destroy, and being impeccable with your word means speaking with truth, honesty, and kindness. Avoid gossip, lies, and self-judgment, and use your words to uplift and inspire others. And I feel, I love that they said self-judgment in there too, because it's about the self-talk in your mind as yeah. well, not just what you're saying, but to be radically honest in that mm. way yeah right like to me this also means having humility this means owning when you mess up yeah and accepting that that's going to happen sometimes and doing so with grace and integrity yeah no i agree with all that um there's a there's a bible verse that says let your yes be yes and your no be no mm. where it's just like speak plainly and truthfully don't be like deceptive. I so like all that stuff. I uh, that's that makes perfect sense. And then, yeah, that's really been a theme in my life. You said what was the word, the term you used? Uh, it wasn't. It was like Toltec. No. Uh, yeah, no, it was like brutally honest or something like yeah. that. 
Radical honesty. Yes, radical right. honesty. That is, because when I think of that term, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, just tell the truth regardless of the consequences, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, or be truthful. And that, because I feel like I would venture to say that 95% of the world hides things, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, we all have privacy. That's, I feel like there, there's a difference there. But um, I lived my whole life where I would, I, I had lots of secrets and I felt, I felt like bound by them, yeah. you know? And then when they all came out and it like, you know, it dismantled my life, but it was also freeing. And yeah. so now I can like, I know, like, I have shared the worst things I've ever done on this podcast. And, um, and it's, it, that, that was, that's a very freeing feeling. Like I can, I used to walk with a lot of guilt. Like, oh my gosh, if somebody found out the things mm -hmm. that I, I did, that would ruin me. But it's like, well, it did ruin me. <laughs> and, but it also refined me. And now I can walk way more upright and confidently because everyone knows what I've done. And I am not, and you know, like I, I don't have secrets and you do, you know? So it's like, I, there's a freedom. I think. I love everything you said, but it's important too that we don't take it as a I'm better compare. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. <laughs> it's a slippery slope, so I'm just yeah. I'm just re refining that piece. Well, I guess that was a response, like if somebody were to cast yeah. judgment or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. So like radical honesty. That's how I view it. I think part of um, I was relating to what you were saying because I. It, there's a lot of things that I had carried shame for and I've had to look at and kind of ask why, Yeah. why am I carrying shame for that? I carried shame for my divorce and like I had to really question like why, why would I carry shame for living a healthier life mm -hmm. or making a decision that was healthier for me and in, in doing that, I have to also accept that I'm going to be misunderstood. And yeah. that's something that was really difficult for me for a long time. I'd want to over-explain myself. Yeah. I'd want people to really know and think well of me. And it feels really good to be practicing, be impeccable with your word, and in conjunction with the next agreement, not taking anything personally. Mm. Other people's opinions of me are mm. none of my goddamn business. Yeah. Like, if they, that has, I mean, it seems so, it seems so like cockamamie bullshit when I, it's sitting here in this space with who I am in this moment to think about caring about what certain people think of me yeah. when they have their own trauma, they have their own past, they have their own dysfunctional thoughts, mm -hmm. they have their own hangups, and I'm wanting to put my worth through that filter and their mental lens yeah. and hold space for their opinion of me. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that gets you stuck in people-pleasing. Yeah. And yeah, that's been the greatest thing I've wrestled with over the last couple of years, but I feel like I have emerged victorious over that battle because yeah like you said people's opinions of me are none of my business but it's like one step further it's nothing it's literally nothing if they like if somebody's a problem with me they have a problem not my problem and i'd love for them to bring it up with yeah. me. Here's the thing. i guess i also have a lot of humility if someone were to 
say something i would own it yeah. if there was something i did inappropriate and also it's not that i don't care as in i don't care if i've hurt someone's feelings yeah i'm an incredibly considerate person probably overly considerate sometimes is what my husband would say but it's about i don't need to care if your opinion is misaligned with my intentions yeah. or who, my core of who i am well we're creating curious culture yeah and so and we're inviting curious culture so if somebody Everyone has the freedom to be curious and ask me for clarity on something that I've done. And I would happily explain, you know, and I would invite people to ask. But if you choose not to and you come to a conclusion, well, then you've just judged. You've misjudged, you know, that that you that is that's a wrong. It's wrong. You know, if I if you if I take evidence from an outside perspective of you and I, like, I we've expounded on this before but if i arrive to yeah final conclusion then who what authority did i have to come to that conclusion right mm -hmm. that's a self-righteous act yeah and so it's like well it sounds like you judgy person it sounds like you have a lot to work through not my problem you go work through it it means nothing to me <laughs> you know if you want to be curious before judgment then awesome, I'm yeah, here for I that. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. So the second agreement encourages, it, encourages you to develop a sense of detachment from the opinions and actions of others and recognize that what people say and do is a projection of their own reality influenced by their experiences, beliefs, and emotions. That's perfect. By not taking things personally, you can avoid unnecessary suffering and maintain emotional well-being. I feel like we just segued right into that. I know. These are all connected. It's almost like somebody wrote a book. It's almost like this dumb guy knew when he was fucking talking about yeah. I'm dropping so many F-bombs. I'm sorry, it's folks. okay. I'm going to shower know. after this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, um, yeah, it's, you know, and I've said this before, but like, People who um, objectively observe the human experience sort of always come to the same conclusions because, like, I've never read this book, but, like, through our discussions and stuff, we've kind of arrived in <laughs> funny, the same four agreements. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I think that's perfect how our organic conversation just segued right into that without even knowing it, you know? Yeah, anyway. but I don't think that... We might be the exception to the rule, though, James. I don't know that the general population comes to some of these understandings, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I know. Because, right? I'm saying we've done yeah. the self-work. We've done yeah. the explore, exploration. So that's why we've sort of arrived onto these, like, things that we've observed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I think um, we can kind of ebb and flow through these. Sometimes there might be some that feel more difficult because when we are stressed, we regress. Yeah. And it can feel tricky. So these might be a refresher for people. Yeah. And I think it's good to sprinkle that in. Sprinkle that into your life. Yeah. So, and I guess I want to say something about this as well. Because um, I was speaking with someone about something they were really taking personally. About someone not wanting to spend time with them. Mm. And they took that personally. And I gave I gave some examples as to why they wouldn't didn't need to be taking it personally like it wasn't a reflection of them mm -hmm. or of their worth and i'll change up some scenarios when it comes to a, f a friend that i have but um let's say 
academics and going to school and such like those were things that came easy to me mm -hmm. i like school i like having a syllabus that tells me how to get an a yeah. i like um i even like studying sometimes i like writing essays i i like don't up. when i'm busy and i don't have time but like i enjoy the satisfaction of my brain working in that way yeah and of um getting feedback so that's just the way that I happen to be wired. If there's a friend who struggles in that area, they might feel a resistance to being around me or to... Mm, almost um, like a guilt. I don't know if it's a guilt. I think it's a discomfort and okay. or insecurity that it sparks. But if they are creating distance, does that have anything to do with me? Oh. I mean, and this isn't me saying, it's not like I walk around talking about my degree books, books, books no i don't yeah <laughs> that isn't the case i'm changing details yeah in a scenario this is just an example okay but um like this doesn't have anything to do with me i don't need to take that as this is something that personally yeah that they don't like it has to do with an insecurity of theirs and that's their business to solve i don't need yeah. to personify that and mm -hmm. say i need to fix it or that I need to whatever, perhaps the conversation can be had if they're open to it, but I'm not going to over function to solve someone's problem that is theirs to navigate. Yeah. So the next agreement, don't make assumptions. The third agreement urges you to avoid making assumptions about others' thoughts, feelings, or intentions. Assumptions often lead to misunderstandings, conflict, and unnecessary suffering. Instead, ask questions, mm. seek clarification and communication openly to gain a better understanding of others. By practicing curious culture. Curious culture. Good. By practicing clarity and avoiding assumptions, you can foster healthier relationships. I like that one a lot as well. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, somebody said that we, as the grown-ups, are responsible for for sharing our feelings. You know, like if if we have an issue with someone or something, then it's 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 our responsibility to express that. Or you know, yeah, just how you're feeling. Because like we're not mind readers, yeah. you know. And then also, um, like okay, I had this friend who um, there were people gossiping about someone and this friend told that person, but like the gossip, and I know that the gossip is wrong, but the gossip is was done in like a place of confidentiality. Mm -hmm. And so um, they were upset with this friend mm -hmm. for like doing that. And I was thinking it there's, a, there's almost like this weird, uh, I guess, chivalry for lack of better terms that people think like if somebody is, is some, like okay if somebody is talking shit about me mm -hmm. and then a, the, a friend comes to me and says oh all these people are talking shit about you like would you say I, I personally believe that that is not a noble thing to do I personally yeah. I think where I'm at I don't care <laughs> if they're talking yeah. you know and I don't want, and so by telling me now there's tension. Now when I'm around those people, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna f know that like they they have negative opinions of me. When I would have been just been way happier not knowing it, just being yeah. oblivious to it, you know. Because it at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how they feel. That's their issue. So uh, you know, I don't know. That was just something I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that most of the time that's how I feel too. I suppose there's might be exceptions to that, but. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess if someone told me, it might give me a heads up to create distance with them just because, oh, if someone is choosing to think X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. instead of coming to me or feeling that they can't come to me, then yeah. I don't know. It might make me question how much I want to invest in the friendship, I suppose. But yeah, in general, it's like not... I find that to be equally as gossipy, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, my response, though, because people have told me this it, about, like, people talking shit about me. My response is usually to go to the people mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know, is there something yeah. that you I, misunderstanding? See, I love that. I love that, too. I like to hit it on the head. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't know. I, I notice there's a lot of people who are so much more passive. I think I would... I, part of me thinks I would really appreciate a more direct culture, like... Um, well, clarity. Yeah. I mean, clarity is kind. Mm -hmm. And I think we try so hard to, like, not offend or not say the wrong thing or not talk about something too deep. Yeah. And... If, if we're doing that all the time, then what's real? Yeah. So I would much rather, and which is, I guess, good for my line of work because I'm quite clear and upfront with my clients about like, we're not going to beat around the bush. So yeah. tell me more about this. Yeah. I mean, it's healing. Honestly, my take is that you need all the information, you know? And so like for people, sorry, I can't talk today. People pleasing, for example, you're really just kind of living by um, uh, how someone else's rule, yeah, some and that you're projecting that, exactly. are, right? Like you're just making assumptions. Yeah, like oh, I need to do this so that they think a certain way about me, and um, it's such a tragic way to live because it's inauthentic. Yeah, and but then I feel like most people live that way. Yeah, and um, so then yeah, when if you are a people pleaser and you hear about people talking shit about you, then that is like the ultimate offense you know yes, i remember that being such a huge bother for me yeah. for the majority of my life well like, during my life i was your anxieties not. yeah yeah and it felt like that opinion that negative opinion had meant something and yeah it didn't. right but i mean I, I feel like to get to that level of understanding where yeah outside opinions are not have nothing to do with you to get there takes a lot of like dismantling almost like this like societal worldview that we have created and especially owning a business or being a, a an independent business person or whatever i was constantly told you know like when i had my moral failure that you know like oh james you just gotta go change the opinions of everyone you know and i'm like no no i don't fuck their opinions you know <laughs> but um I think it's a it's a mix too because I would never want to give the impression that you 100% shouldn't care. Yeah. In the sense that if someone that I love care about and I value their opinion tells me something that <laughs> I did or said that was hurtful or um created some kind of pain for them, I would want to understand yeah i think i have an exception and so, there's a situation that happened uh with a friend that i sit with sometimes still in wondering how i handled it mm. where um there were it was like through the course of a year i was 
asking them to follow through on something. We were also kind of intermingled some business. So from a professional level, I was asking them, hey, can you tell me this? Can, can give me updates, which I felt that professionally was um, appropriate for them to give me some information. And I was really strung along. And then um, I felt if I, in this friendship, if I did the slightest thing that was forgetful and an honest mistake, I was villainized. Mm -hmm. Like the attitude, there was like silent treatment, there were contemptuous looks, and it was like so imbalanced mm. to the point that even when they explained some of their hardship that had been happening, my conclusion was there's nothing here in this friendship for me because I don't think that's something that you can change. You can't give me grace when I've given you grace. Mm. And I don't think that you're capable of seeing it. And so even though when they shared their hardship, I was going through my own health issues and my own stresses. And my thought was, I don't have the energy for this. Mm. Yeah. I can't do this. I now do have the energy. So when I reflect back, part of me does feel bad because I care about them and I feel badly that they were going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. I also think that professionally and as a friend, I was owed a lot more yeah. than I was given. And the end of the friendship was the right call. I feel bad that maybe I didn't give them compassion for their hardship, but I, I think that at the time that's what I had to do, I guess. Yeah. And so I, I feel a little bit torn about that sometimes. I mean, it sounds like you created a boundary. I did. You know, and it, it sounds if somebody was sort of draining your energy, even if it was for a season, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's one of those where you come back in a healthier season and then you guys are compatible again. But at the same time, like, if you don't really miss them, <laughs> then it was, it, I was just like, I wasn't, I need, I need people with integrity in my life. It is such yeah. a high characteristic and quality that I value Yeah, that when I don't see it, it kind of disgusts me. Well, people, I mean, people without integrity, if you surround yourself with them, you have confusion and so many questions and you're always self-conscious that like there's backbiting and betrayal happening, you know? And so, no, I, I feel that a hundred percent. That's a, a very healthy way to live, you yeah. know? <laughs> So our next one, always do your best. I think I did my best in that scenario. Wait, you listed four. That was the fifth one. No, that's no. We've listed three. Be impeccable with your word. Oh. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. And our fourth one is always do your best. Oh. So the fourth agreement encourages you to give your best effort in every situation, regardless of the circumstances. Your best will vary from moment to moment, depending on your energy, health, and other factors. But the key is to strive for personal excellence without self-judgment or comparison. By doing your best, you can live with a sense of fulfillment, free from regrets and self-criticism. Mm. By embracing and practicing these four agreements, you can transform your life. Cultivate self-love, respect, improve your relationships, and create more joyful and authentic experiences and existence. And I think, I don't know, I think it's true. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're, the, all you have is your next move. I'm paraphrasing something I heard recently <laughs> with that. And that's so true because, I mean, we, 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 a lot of us live in like the guilt 
and regret of the past. Mm -hmm. But that's so unproductive. There's nothing. I mean, you can learn from it, but um, but all you have is the moment right here. Yeah. Even the future doesn't exist, <laughs> you know. And um, when I was in my twenties, in in my most depressed period of my life that I've spoken of. I remember just being stuck in such a vortex cloud of rehashing mm. the past and what if I would have done this or why, why, why? And like, it's supposed to look like this. It's supposed to, it's yeah. supposed to, it's supposed to. And it was such a rumination that was creating depression because it was a falsehood of what was. Yeah, It was a false reality. And... I don't think that, I think that depression is based on a false reality and a false narrative that we listen to. And guess what? We don't like liars. Yeah. I don't like liars. And that's where following these four agreements is, it's such a contract with myself that I'm unwilling to revoke and I'm unwilling to breach yeah. because it's not worth it. It is such a high place of freedom to feel like I am doing my best yeah. and that I am not taking things personally and I'm being impeccable with my word mm. because now I can navigate life with so much more ease. And I think when we are busy tracking the lies that we're telling yeah. or the lies we're telling ourselves, it gets real muddy and mm -hmm. unpleasant. Yeah, and also, um it 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 frees you from like the outside criticisms because it's like if somebody has a, a negative opinion of you and that means something to you well then you can honestly say i'm doing my best like i'm living with integrity you, you know all those things and if they don't see that then that's that's just a lack of sight on their part yeah know? when you yeah when you live through these these agreements i think that it makes your defenses hopefully come down so that if someone yeah. were to have an issue, you can talk about it. And their response is going to be um, enlightening mm -hmm. for whether or not they are going to be the, a, a healthy person in your life or not. Yeah. You should pay attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. I recently had a person um, sort of like attack me, confront me. Um, and they said, uh, they were I, I won't get into details because i but they basically like said all these untrue things to me and i said i i'm doing my best and then and they started trying to gaslight me after that because um that was uh like a you know you can't really argue with that mm. so then the strategy this is a person who hates me and the, the strategy was like well i want to hurt you you know so i'm gonna make you feel mm. stupid in this moment you know I, i'll share offline because <laughs> you're probably really interested but um yeah no but that as long as i mean because i i i'm doing my best now but i after a season of doing my worst you mm. know and so um so all i can do at this point mm. if i want life to be opposite is to just do my best you know i really love how you phrase that I'm doing my best now after a season of doing my worst. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Mm. <laughs> I think that that if we're doing life well, that's kind of the flow of it, though. Hopefully, yeah. is that 
the lessons that are we learn from the moments when we're not following those agreements yeah can perpetuate more strength and solidarity in them mm -hmm. but that means getting out of the what if of the past and being present in the moment and what these baby steps moving forward will look like yeah it's like forward thinking mm -hmm. rather you know than backwards thinking because like I've been thinking the last couple of days, like, I know I'm probably, I'm on a trajectory right now where I'm probably going to reach a point where I will have the same, like, circumstantial joy as I once did for my past. But then I'm not looking to, to stay there. I'm looking to go beyond that, you know? So as if I just continually, consistently do my best choice after choice, then statistically that should have a really good outcome you know <laughs> yeah yeah and living your values yeah um so we'll see where i end up yeah i if i had to add a fifth agreement yeah i think it would be and and i i don't yeah i guess i don't think that it covers it in the other four smoke weed every day <laughs> that's what it is folks see you later at the next episode <laughs> Um, it would be really be aware of what's in your control and out of your control. Mm. For me, I think at an early age, and, and I, I realized that, and I, it makes you feel more in control of what's available to you. So, for example, um, oh gosh, there's some examples I feel like I can't share, but I feel as though, like the economy, I have nothing to do. I have I can't do anything about the economy yeah. and how it's affected income. I know that a lot of Americans are are really feeling that right now mm. and there's nothing I can do about that. But it's it's about okay, well what's within my control? You know what's always within your control is your mindset. And that's what I learned from Man's Search for Meaning and Viktor Frankl. Oh yeah. Like you are in control of your mindset. Yeah. And you are in control of your actions. And so that is not nothing. And when we can focus on what we're in control of and what's out of our control, it can really, if we're doing it effectively, put the brakes on so much anxiety because we can just overthink and overthink and overthink about interactions or people or scenarios or what ifs that yeah. have nothing to do with a productive mindset that's actually going to help you feel better yeah 100 percent. by the way that book um not the one not that one uh victor frankel's book yeah i started it and i'm just so intimidated to continue it because i'm like this is gonna be really heavy and yeah. but i mean well, i was hoping you were gonna say no james keep reading it no it is heavy <laughs> but i don't think heavy's bad yeah that's true. me yeah, I like to swim in the deep end, you know. I should, but I mean, like, I I should read it and then report back, because um, yeah, it's been recommended by you and uh, somebody else, and um, yeah. So I mean, I should check it. I mean, out. it is heavy. It's a book about the Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that there's light books about no. the Holocaust with <laughs> rainbows and springtime for Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh God. The, the Holocaust, the musical. Oh no. <laughs> No. Sorry, I shouldn't joke about that. Oh, but it was funny. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, we need to segue into our uh, advice. We oh, we have advice? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. 
<clears throat> well, we're going long, but let's do it. Okay. I think this is going to be short advice, actually. Okay. I've been struggling with my body image and constantly comparing myself to others. It's affecting my self-esteem and happiness. Do you have a picture of this person that I can body obsessing shame? Obsessing over social media. Never. Sorry, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. I find myself obsessing over social media and feeling inadequate when I see others who appear more attractive or fit. Mm -hmm. How can I break free from this cycle of comparison and learn to love and accept myself as I am? Ugh. I'm the same way. I was going to say dude. But I don't know if it's a dude or did it. I'm assuming a woman. I shouldn't assume. What the heck, James? I actually don't know because okay. I think they just they didn't give a name. Actually, okay. They just said, um, yeah. Well, no. like we discussed earlier in the episode, like the simple, simplistic life, scaling things down. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times do you hear about people? Have you ever heard somebody say they took a season away from social media and they regretted it? Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's such a toxic influence. Yeah. Especially Instagram, which is all visual. Yeah. It just it portrays this idealized and filtered yeah. version of reality. So there's one method, but at the same time, it's like, even if I were to take away all of social media for a year... I would still see myself in the mirror, you know, and um, there's a certain standard that I want to look just to for confidence. But um, and I don't know. I learned that I had um, sort of a, like a body uh, image issue mm -hmm. and I don't know where that came from, but um, that has compelled me to always be active. I don't know. That's I'm. That's not a very healthy answer. But. So is this is this person? Could they be you, James? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I do think. I think I've um I've tried to curate my social media to not have perfect bodies. Mm. I actually seek out accounts that show flabby bits. Oh. And that show mom bods like to be honest bod, okay. yeah mom bods dad bods because i think that that is uh more raw and real and i appreciate that a yeah. lot and um i think also this the practice of self-compassion and gratitude has been really powerful for me as well mm. in really thinking about what am i grateful for with my body and i actually did some journaling yesterday about body image things because i've noticed a positive shift in my mindset when it comes to my body because um, after kids <laughs> things change and shift for women yeah. and I had to come to this understanding of like my body tells a story my scars yeah. tell a story of where I've been and where I've come and if I'm lucky I will be riddled with wrinkles and have gray hair and we don't view age in the aging of our body that way yeah but that's the honest truth it's either that or you die young it's either that or you die before you want to mm -hmm. so I want to start seeing my wrinkles and my stretch marks and my flabby bits as, um, you know, just a journey that my body is on yeah. while simultaneously trying to take good care of it. So I think it's a good practice to find body gratitude, not just with like, oh, yeah, I really like how my biceps look or I like oh, this muscle group is looking really great. but. I love the ability th that I have 
to get up out of bed on my own yeah and to get myself ready for the day because some people don't have that privilege yeah there are people with disabilities who need help and it's a real gift that i need to be pause and be grateful for or else i end up having perhaps a negative mindset or um i'm really grateful for the gift of i'm gift grateful for my voice and that's the part my, that my vocal cords are healing because it was hard to not be able to communicate and I have a different kind of level of gratitude and I know that those aren't things that necessarily are like the body image areas one would uh, be critical of yeah but I think it still is a really important piece we shame our body all the time to not look exactly to baby to basically not look like we're 25, we're shaming ourselves all the time that our bodies don't look like they did in our 20s yeah. or in our teens. How silly. Yeah. Well, and honestly, um, I had a thought. I just lost it. What the fuck? Um, yeah, we were talking about fitness earlier, and it's it's really a shame. I'm so sorry, Keilani. I had just That's lost okay. the thought. I think that fitness. <laughs> I think that fitness culture has been maybe a part of for me as we're talking. This is enlightening. It's been a piece uh, where I've been resistant because I think I view fitness culture as being body obsessed. Yeah, and I don't want to be body obsessed. That's, actually, that that was where I was going to touch on. Yeah. And so that's that. Therein lies some of my resistance, where I'm like. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Like, I think I'd prefer to go to like the old lady like pool aerobics because I wouldn't feel that way. It would really truly be about mobility yeah. and strength, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, if you go look at like bodybuilders, the absolute like depri or depri deprivation that it takes to achieve that, it ruins your quality of life because it's like, I. In, tonight, I plan to have burger and fries and a couple beers, and I'm looking forward to that all day long. If I was bodybuilding or cutting, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to have that for a month, you know? And um, so there's like a certain level of uh, you you have to trade off your your quality of life to achieve a perfect body. And then that is so temporary. Like bodybuilders, after their competition, they'll go binge because they're they're just so miserable and so hungry. Like, have you seen Top Gun Part Two? What Maverick? Which I haven't seen it. Okay, I have. I'm I'm oh, I'm not going to take my hot take, but I think that movie's overrated. But um, <laughs> the the behind the scenes is a volleyball scene montage. Yeah, where these guys are all greased Oil. up, and yeah, like, and then they they're interviewed about it. And they're saying, like, we had to starve ourselves for, like, three days. We were all dehydrated. <laughs> we were, like, in ketosis. And, like, it was – they were all miserable. And they said, so after that scene, we had to take it, like, a bunch of times. And after that, we just, like, all went and had burgers and stuff. And, I'm like, women drooled over that scene, you know. But it's, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're watching these, like, starving people parade around. <laughs> it's not reality. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's not reality. And I guess, like, I don't... That's the other thing that I think where I've had some resistance. Like, when I think about my schedule and where I would pull time from, I'd be pulling time from my family time to go to the gym or to work out. And I have to kind of work around that because it is self-care. Yeah. So this is my own hang-up in some ways, too. But when I think about people who are spending copious amounts of time in the gym, I'm also thinking about what are you giving up? 
Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing. If you are a gym rat and that's your thing and you find a love for it and you are, you know, there's a way that you found a healthy balance, I'm not trying to diss it. And I would love to be more curious and understand, to mm-hmm. be honest. It's, it's clearly not... Um, not an area where I've been able to thrive, but I, I don't know. I, I think there is, there should be a balance in having, looking a certain way doesn't equal being healthy. Yeah. Well, and then on the flip side, being fit and in shape and having your nutrition dialed in is way more simple than people realize and we should probably do an episode in the future all about fitness and nutrition and its effects on mental health or something like that mm-hmm. but um that'd be interesting so um but yeah it's really because it, like my the way that i like my goal with fitness is just to always be in good enough shape to where if i wanted like a perfect body i'm only like two weeks away from of starvation or so you know of a diet you know, so just always stay close, you know, and so, um, and that's a very, it's actually really simple to just, to get, to get there, you know, and so, um, yeah. Don't starve yourself, James. No, I, I'm going to bring you some cheese. I was exaggerating. <laughs> but, he's, he's only two weeks away from that volleyball montage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should. There's trap. <laughs> I should spoof it with a bunch of dad bods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I just pictured like... <laughs> I just snorted, damn. Uh, I just pictured, like, that being, I don't know, an ad for our podcast is James all oiled up playing volleyball, and I laughed in my head. Well, I mean, ladies, comment if you want to see that. I'm not saying that's what I want to see. I just, (laughs) as we were discussing it. And then all the ladies would be like, oh, my goodness. As Houston, our Houston fans. Houston, what up? <laughs> Turns out Phoenix is now like in our top five. Phoenix, Ooh, is, Phoenix, yeah, but Phoenix is a big city. It's like top. It's like the fourth most populated city nice. in the country. Apparently, actually, dear listeners, we would love to get more advice from you. So, in our link tree, which is linked in the podcast description or in the YouTube description or in yeah. the, uh, wherever you're finding us, um, there's a link where you can write in and uh, give it or ask advice from us. And we can give you non-therapeutic advice. I do not have my therapy hat on when I do the podcast. This is my Kalani podcaster hat. But um, we love to share that space with you and try to provide our, our best advice that we can. Also, we so appreciate when you like, comment, and subscribe. We enjoy that community with you and just kind of building and growing this curious culture. Let us know what uh, new topics you might want to hear from yeah. that we haven't covered yet. Yeah, at Delightful Pod on all the platforms. Social media platforms is where you can find us. So, yeah, we drop reels every other day, right? Yeah. You're the one who does it. I don't know. <laughs> I just I show up and talk. <laughs> yeah. Every other day, there's a, a fresh reel for you guys. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for spending time yeah. here with us and uh, joining us on the podcast, dear listeners, delightful humans. And uh, my voice is about to give out, so I'm going to give you a little bit of this. And uh, we'll see you next I'll time. I'll put in smooth jazz as the outro. Ooh, yes. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.